0: Father, may your, your spirit just dwell amongst us this very moment, Lord. I pray, Father, that your spirit just move within our hearts, Lord, and that, Lord, you just continue to create in us a new heart. Lord, that you just, Lord, open our hearts to receive what you want to say, Lord. I pray, Father, that you, Lord, just bring the, the scriptures to life, Lord, that you speak, Father, this very moment. Through this message, Lord, may it be all of you and less of me, Lord, and I pray that you use it for your glory, Lord, that you minister to the hearts of these young adults here today, Lord. I pray that, Father, you just speak loud and clear, that you give us ears to hear and eyes to see. Lord, go before us now, and we ask, Father, that those who are on their way here, that you grant them traveling mercies, Lord, and that you, Lord, traveling mercies home as well. So go before us now in power and glory. In your most precious holy name we pray, amen. All right, if you have your Bibles, let's go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Last week we started chapter 2. We we ended up doing verses 1 through 10. Um, so we're going to start off in verses 11, verse 11, and we're going to finish chapter 2 today, the second half, um, which would be up to verse uh, 22. And as we continue through this book, I know I mentioned this a lot, but I want, I just want us to understand if if you weren't here, you know, at the beginning of the study or um, um, if you haven't heard this, we start off with, Paul always starts off with doctrine. So we're going to continue in that doctrine and we're going to continue to see the wealth that we have in Christ. And this book, I, I love this book and I mentioned that a lot, you know, it's full of wealth. It's full of of uh, so much depth in this book, and, and I'm, al- I'm always super excited to teach it. So um, we're gonna see uh, the doctrine and we're gonna see the riches in Christ all the way through to uh, chapter three. Um, so last week we began you know, chapter two and we saw um, one of two astounding miracles. Verses one through 10, what did we see? We saw our spiritual transformation. And and it's it, this is the miracle of regeneration, and again regeneration. What that means is it, it's a new birth. It's it's a, a new creation, a renewal, and um, you know the fact is we as Gentiles. We have been given this new birth, and and it is it it's been it's been recreated by Christ. And it is only through Christ that we have this new birth. And it is only through Christ that we have this new creation, that we are this new person. And um, that, that's, uh, as, we, as we saw last week, that is the miracle of regeneration and what Christ did to us. And if you guys remember, we saw two contrasts. Verses 1 through 3, what did we see? We saw our old condition. We saw we were dead. We were spiritually dead we were depraved, we were disobedient, we were doomed, uh, you know, and, and you know, we were, we were just on our way. I'm going to say bluntly, we were on our way to hell, and that's what we deserved. And then what happened? We saw the miracle of regeneration. What did Christ do for us? He loved us enough to die for us. So we see our new position. This was last week. We saw our new position in Christ. And what what, what is our new position? We are alive in Christ. We have been raised up in Christ. And where are we now? We are seated with Christ. And that is our new position. So as we continue chapter 2, again, verses 11 through 22, we're going to see the second miracle that took place here. Again, the miracle of regeneration, that's what we saw last week, and now we have what's called the miracle of reconciliation. And what does reconciliation mean? It means to receive one, to favor. It means to, to be brought together as one. So Christ has received us, and uh, I'll explain more. And I, I just want you guys to think about a time real quick um, in your life when you were left out of something. When you, were, when you were excluded from something, do you remember that feeling? When you were left out, you know, your friends or your family, they left you out of a certain um, event or whatever, you felt excluded. Do you remember that feeling? Because I know, like, personally, I've had times where I've been excluded and I've been left out, and it's not a really good feeling. So I just want you to think about that, you know, as an example. What we used to be. We used to be excluded. And I'll explain more. Um, the point is that, you know, with God, we were excluded from his kingdom. And, and we're going to see the, the contrast uh, between what we were a Gentile and contrast be, between uh, the Jews. And then the next verses, Paul's going to discuss this. Um, and the fact is that, you know, God never made he never made that messianic covenant with the Gentiles. And, and um, he only made that with the Jewish nation, as we see in all through the Old Testament. It, all, it, it started uh, with Abraham, the covenant that was made, and it was the promise of the kingdom. God, uh, God made that covenant, and he made it only with the Jewish nation, and he promised them the kingdom. He promised them these riches. Um, And the reality is that, that you know we were considered enemies of God as Gentiles. And um, we were excluded from all that. We were excluded from the kingdom. We were excluded from everything that was promised to the Jewish nation. However, we see in John 1, 11 through 12, it tells us he came to his own. And his own did not receive him. And, and through this rejection this promise, this, this promise of this kingdom, the inheritance that was promised for the Jewish people, it all belongs to us now. He loves, he loves Israel. He always will be. He, he always will. And they're always going to have that promise. But now we have been included into this promise because their rejection. Therefore, in Romans five ten, it says, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled, meaning we were received into favor, to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Again, Colossians 1.21, 121, it says, And you, who the Gentiles, who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled. And as we go through these verses, we're going to see three points that Paul makes here. One is the reality of being included. He he shows us that reality. And and number two, the reasons why we were included. And then we're going to see, number three, we're going to see the results of being included into into, um, uh, God's family. So we'll start in verse 11. Chapter 2, verse 11, it says... Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands. Notice our past exclusion. And the fact is that we were socially alienated from the the, the Jewish people. And, he, and, and this covenant that God made from, with them, we were socially alienated from this. And, and it was all because of this, the circumcision. And that's how, that's how you were able to tell Jew, a Jew from a Gentile is through this um, ceremony of circumcision. And you know, we as Gentiles, we are known as what the Bible calls us the uncircumcised and the fact is that the covenant of this circumcision was given it was given only to the Jewish nation it was again it started with Abraham and we see that in Genesis 17:9 it says God said to Abraham as for you you shall keep my covenant you and your descendants after you throughout their generations this is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you Every male child among you shall be circumcised, and you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. And notice this sign, again, was initially given by God. It was given to him. It was given to the Jewish nations. It was a sign of holiness. It was a sign for the Jewish nation to be set apart. They were God's chosen people. So this this sign of circumcision was was a sign of of them to be set apart it was a sign for them to be holy to God. And however, you know, this this covenant it was rejected by the people. It was rejected by them through what? Their disobedience. I highlight obedience a lot and I highlighted obedience last week cuz cuz it was through their disobedience that they they lost this promise. And, it was, it, it, and through the grace of God, he was, able to, he was able to bring this promise of the kingdom to the Gentiles. In Romans eleven, eleven, it says, through their fall, salvation has come to the Gentiles. Verse 12, it says that at the time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants, of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Notice, we were socially alienated, alienated and now here it shows we were spiritually alienated. And, and to be alienated, what does that mean? It means to be shut out from one's fellowship and ministry. They were As Gentiles, we were shut out of the fellowship that the, the Jewish nation had with God and 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 this, this intimacy that they had. We as Gentiles we were shut out from that. So we were alienated from that. We see again in this verse that we were what? We were without a Messiah, it says right here without Christ, we were without citizenship, we were without promise, we were without hope and it says we were without God. We were shut out. We were excluded from all the promises that God had made to Israel, Gentiles. But now, you know, we see the marvelous, this marvelous dispensation of the grace of God. And it is no longer Jew and Gentile. He has removed that barrier. It's all nations now. And we see that in the next verse. We are, we are now one in Christ for who? For all who believe. And he has opened, he has, he has torn down the veil. And he has, he has opened salvation to all who receive him. So Paul reminds us again on who we used to be. And up until verse 11, last week, we spoke about this contrast again um, of, of individuals, you know, we were, we were either dead in sin or we are alive in Christ. And there was this contrast, and now here we come into another contrast. It is a deeper truth that we see here. A deeper contrast. We see what? That the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus breaks down all the racial barriers between us, Gentiles, and the Jews. And, and, and the the fact is that Jews would see Gentiles. It was if you guys think that that um, um, racism is bad today, it was horrible then, because Jew and Gentiles it, there was racism between Jew and Gentile. You see, the Gentiles were all their own separate race, and then the Jews, because they were called to be set apart. They saw the Gentiles, and, and they, they hated them. They called them dogs. We were known as dogs. And there was this, this, this barrier between us. Um, but the blood of Christ, as we see in the next verse, it says, verse 13, and I love this contrast. It says, but now. Notice, but now. It is the same contrast that we saw in verse 4 last week when it said, but God. And I love that contrast. It doesn't matter, Satan has tried to destroy everything that God has created. Satan has tried to do everything in his power to tear down what God has created in our lives personally, but God. I love that, but God. And then, but now we see we were dead, but God, we were alienated, but now who in Christ Jesus you who who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ so notice now our present inclusion we have been included we were again notice again the contrast we were far off but now we have been what brought near and I am so thankful for this. I'm so thankful that I can be here and I can say to all nations, all genders, it does not matter who you are today. Jesus died on the cross for you, for the sins of the world. All who come to him will be saved. That whoever believes will not perish we were far off, and now we have been brought near. Notice Christ's message before his death. It said in Matthew 15, 24, it said, I have been sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. But in John ten sixteen, Jesus said, And other sheep I have which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice And there will be one flock and one shepherd. And Jesus was speaking about what was to come after his crucifixion. We were first, before his crucifixion, he had been sent to the lost sheep of Israel. And after his crucifixion, now there's, uh, Jesus has uh, torn down that barrier. Now we are part of his flock. And, And, you know, Jesus had this flock of sheep. It was made up of only Israelites, um, but on the other side of the cross, the other sheep that he mentions here have, we've been incorporated into this fold, and, and we see that here. So now there is one fold, which is what made up of Jew and made up of Gentile. So notice the, this miracle is summed up in three words. And what do we see again? In verse 13, what does it say? But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off, have been brought near by what? The blood of Christ. Three words, this miracle. It is by the blood of Christ that we have been brought near. And that was the only way. Christ had to go to the cross. And not even God himself could, find a, could, could make another way. There had to be a sacrifice for sin. And it was Christ, the blood of Christ. And it is only through the blood of Christ that we have this access, that we have been included to this promise that was made into the family of God. It's through the blood of Christ. Verses 14 through 18, we see the second reason, the reason for being included. And what does it say? It says to provide peace. For he himself is our peace. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. He is our peace. Verse 15, it says, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is, The law of commandments contained in ordinances so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. Notice he is our peace, and notice he is making peace. And how did he provide this peace for us? uh, Verse 15 again we see, having abolished in his flesh. That means through his death. He provided peace through his death, and again, what did verse 13 say? By his blood. So through his death and by his blood, he made peace with us, and we have peace with God. If you remember um, Leviticus, if you've read Leviticus, not an easy book to read, but chapter 3, verse 1 all of chapter 3 talks about this peace offering and the, the law of the peace offering. It, the main thing that I see in, the, in, in all these sacrifices and in this peace offering is, is without blemish to the Lord. These sacrifices, the, the lamb, the, the rams, the goats that they, they sacrifice to the Lord for this peace offering, it had to be without blemish. And my point is that, you know, Jesus, he had to become this this peace offering for us. And Jesus was what? Remember, he was without sin. He was without blemish. He never sinned. And therefore, he has made peace with God for us. And it is through his death again. It is through his blood. And, And remember, in, in the beginning of paul 's letters, what do we always find? We always find grace before peace and, and it, you know it was first that God had to demonstrate grace. He demonstrated grace by willingly giving his son Jesus to die for us. so he had to demonstrate grace and then what it, it, Jesus being the peace offering, we have we were able to experience eternal life with him, and then comes peace with God. so first, God had to demonstrate grace by giving his son and giving that peace offering for us, so now we're able to experience this eternal peace with god and and it you know, God always has to demonstrate grace first. As Christians, we, we, when we receive the grace of God, we then feel the peace of God. And so why did he provide peace? Why did God provide peace for us? Again, what, is, what do we see? For our re- reconciliation. We were not only reconciled to God, but we were also, what? We were also reconciled to man. And we know, we'll see that in verse 4 through 14 through 16. We see two kinds of peace. First, we see peace amongst each other. In verse 14 through 15, again, we see, For he himself is our peace, who has made both one, and has broken down the middle wall of separation. Verse 15, Having abolished in his flesh, the enmity that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. Peace amongst each other. And notice in verse 14, what, what does Jesus say? Has broken down, I'm sorry, what does Paul say? Has broken down the middle wall of separation. This is in reference to the, the barrier in, in the temple, there was a, this barrier in the temple, and it separated uh, Jew and Gentile. And there was this warning that no Gentile may enter into uh, this barrier that surrounded the, the, the sanctuary area. And if they did, the consequence was death. So what Paul means that Christ has broken down the middle wall of separation. He has removed this barrier. This, uh, and now as, as, as Gentiles, we have access into um, the other side of this, uh, this barrier, into the sanctuary. And the point is that if God has included us, if he has included us into, the, into his family, and how, how important it is that in our lives that we need to include others. And if God has forgiven us, how important is it that we need to forgive others? And if God has shown love to us, we need to show love to others. It, just, it blows my mind that God went through all this trouble to save us, to, to give us this access, but he did. And he, 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 he provided this peace for us, something that we could have never have achieved on our own. So we saw that he provided peace amongst each other. And now we see that he has provided, again, peace with God. Verse 16. And that he might reconcile them both to God. In one body. Through the cross. Thereby, thereby putting death. Putting to death the enmity. The enmity. That, that means hatred. There was hatred between the, the Jewish people and the Gentiles. But. Through the cross, he put to death this enmity, this hatred, and it was also a hatred towards God. As Romans 5 1 tells us, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians 1, again, and you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he reconciled. 2 Corinthians 5, 18-19 tells us, Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. The ministry of reconciliation. And that is that God was in Christ. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Notice the importance of being in Christ. When, 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 um, when, God, when Christ came down, God was in Christ. So when Christ died, who, that doesn't mean that God died. When Christ rose, God rose, and now where is Christ? He's seated at the right hand of the Father. The importance of being in Christ, because God wasn't in Christ. What was he doing? He was reconciling the world. Verses 17 through 18, it says, And he came and preached to you who were afar off and to those who were near. For through him... We both have access by one spirit to the Father. Notice here, Christ preached peace to us. How? It was through the apostles, as we see again. He came and preached to you who were afar off and to those who were near his apostles. And Paul, being the one that was chosen to take the message, to the Gentiles. Why? To give us access. Verse 18. Again, it says, For through him we both have access. Access to what? We both have access to the Holy of Holies. And, and when, I re, when I, I've been reading through the Old Testament, And I'm going through Leviticus, and and I've always thought, like, what a privilege it must have been for the high priest to to have been given access into the holies of holies. He only was able to do it once a year as the high priest. And it was only the high priest that had access into the holies of holies. What a privilege. But now... You see, we have this access. We have the access into the holies of holies. And Hebrews 10, 19 through 20 tells us, Therefore, brethren, we have boldness to enter the holy of holies by a new and living way which Jesus made for us. Hebrews 10, 19 through 20. There's this illustration that was, um, I'll admit I stole this illustration, but I thought it'd be really uh, beneficial in this, in this message. It says, during the Civil War, the son of Abraham Lincoln helped a soldier have access to the president, which at the time was impossible. The son of Abraham Lincoln helped the soldier to have access to the president. And this is the same thing that Jesus has done for us. He's given us access into the holies of holies. He's given us access to the throne of God. The holiest place in the heavens and on earth is at the throne of God. And we can approach that with boldness. Because of what? The blood of Christ and his death on the cross. We have access. So we've seen the reality of being included, and we see the reason for being included, and now we're going to see the results from being included. Verses 19 through 22. We see uh, three results here. We see one, we are now part, of God's kingdom verse 19 now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners but fellow citizens with the saints we are now part of God's kingdom we are citizens of his kingdom Colossians 2:13 tells us we have been transferred from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son We are now citizens of his kingdom. Number two, we see we are now part of God's family. Verse 19 again. And members of the household of God. We are part of God's family. I love the way the NLT renders it. You are members of God's very own family. We belong to the household of God and, and we as Christians, we are building on this, this foundation, this household, this foundation that Christ has laid. In verse 20, it, it says, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. I love what 1 Corinthians 3.11 says, for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. The foundation has been laid. By who? By Christ. He is the chief cornerstone. And, and it is only in him that all the building happens in our lives. The only kind of building that matters, it is through Christ, because he is the foundation. And, and I, I, I've been reading through the book of Nehemiah, and I love the fact that Nehemiah was called to build this wall. But if, if you notice in, verses, in, in chapter 4, verse 10, it says that Judah was discouraged because of what? Because of the rubbish that was on this foundation. And they were discouraged. Why? Because they could not build the wall on, on this rubbish and what does that rubbish represent? It represents all the, the trash in this world. It represents all the uh, the, the the um the society, the, the lifestyle, the sinful lifestyles that that we see nowadays. It's 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 all this media and 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 um this government. It's just it, even 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 the church. Even the church has been preaching all the. This, this junk and creating all this rubbish so that the wall cannot be built. And just the other day I, saw, I, was, I was driving through Laverne to go to Bonita High School and I saw this sign on this church that said, break up with white Jesus. What trash in a church, hanging up the pride flag in a church. Rubbish on the foundation of who? Christ. So what you cannot build on rubbish. You have to clear the rubbish in order to build this wall that Nehemiah was building. And it's the same for us. This is a spiritual wall. And Christ has laid the foundation for us to build. He is the chief cornerstone. And the the greatest thing about this foundation It's not an earthly foundation, and it's a foundation that cannot be shaken. Everything you build on this foundation will never be shaken, and there's nothing the enemy or Satan can do about it because it's Christ. He who is in you is greater than he who is of this world. Matthew 7:24 through25 tells us, "Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and what does them, we, we have to be doers of the Word. Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken, liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock, and the rain descended. the flood came. The winds blew, beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. The winds blew, the floods came, meaning the trials of life came, but because you are on this foundation, it did not fall, for it was built on the rock. And the point is that those who obey the word of God are the ones who are, are going to be part of this of this foundation. And therefore, whatever you build, it's never going to be torn down. It's going to be eternal. And it's going to be an eternal inheritance for you. See, I want to invest in eternity. What I do on this world in this world is for eternity. It's for for the investments that 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 um, that I will receive in heaven, and that's what I want to invest in. That's what I want to build on. So notice again that we who were once spiritually, we were outcasts spiritually, physically, and now we are part of God's household. Only. Through Christ and the obedience of his word. Through obedience. And I keep saying that because it's so important that my personal life did not change until I obeyed, until I showed obedience, until I obeyed the word of God. Number three. We are now a part of God's temple. Verse 21 through 22, it says, In whom the whole building, being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Notice, we are the habitation. Of the Spirit of God. The Almighty God, the Spirit of the Almighty God, the Creator of the universe, where does He choose to dwell? In us, in me, in you, in your heart. It just, it blows my mind. Like every time I think about it, it's just um, incredible to see or to believe. That, the, that God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, would choose me, a sinful person. He chose us. He chose you. He chose your heart to make your heart his dwelling place. That's an incredible thought to me. So notice the word temple. In verse 21, notice the word temple. There are two types of temple, and there are two different Greek words for the meaning of temple. The first one is here, uh, um, excuse me, Huron, meaning it, it is a whole temple complex, meaning the actual physical building. But the one that Paul is using here is Naos, the Greek word is Naos, meaning it is the holy of holies. In whom the whole building, being fitted together, grows into a holy temple, the holies of holies. And the point is that we, as the Church of Christ, we are the holies of holies. Again, this is this is incredible. Uh, Because, you know, the most sacred place where the Spirit of God would dwell, where the high priest, it was only the high priest that had access to the holies of holies once a year. The most sacred place where the Spirit of God would dwell. But now we have become this very temple. We are the, the temple of the Holy Spirit the holies of holies, where the Holy Spirit of God chooses to dwell. I like what 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We belong to God. If you are a Christian here today, the Holy Spirit dwells in you. This is why Paul speaks... he strongly preaches against sexual morality. Right before he said this verse, it was to the Corinthians because of their sexual immorality. And that's why the sin of sexual morality is so wicked. I've been there. And, and and to see that that I was sinning against my own body. Against the, the, the temple of the Holy Spirit. And you see, Paul rebuked the Corinthians because of this. We are the body of the Holy Spirit. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Excuse me. And, and again, it, it, those who practice sin, sexual morality, they sin against their own body. Therefore, what happens you grieve the holy spirit it's possible to grieve the holy spirit ephesians 4:30 it tells us do not grieve the holy spirit of god by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption remember chapter 1 verse 13 we were sealed what does that mean that we have been given this mark of ownership, this sign that we belong to God. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit was given to us as a seal and a guarantee. It is a sign that we belong to God. So therefore, if you belong to God, why is it that sometimes... We still practice and do the things of this world. We still practice uh, at times our, our sinful nature. Why is it that if if you belong to God and you have this seal, and you have this mark in you, and you're you're guaranteed, and you're you still living in your I, I don't I don't that's not right, and that's why that's why we don't we don't preach eternal security. We belong to God. And Remember I asked you guys, how do you know you're sealed? By the change that you see in your life. It is by the change that you no longer do the things that you used to do. As sons of what? disobedience so now we become sons of what sons and daughters of obedience and you you just you no longer want to do the the things that 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 will grieve the holy spirit because your body is the temple of the holy spirit so don't put in things into your body that is going to grieve the holy spirit And honestly, if if this fact does not humble you, and if it does not give you a a change of heart, and it does not change your way of living, truthfully, I don't think there's any Bible truth that will. If this alone, the the fact of knowing that, that the Spirit of God dwells in you, That is humbling to me personally. And I hope it's humbling to you as well. And I hope it it brings a change in your life. If you are here today and you have not experienced that change, the blood of Christ, the death on the the cross. So I, I, I pray tonight. I pray that God helps us. That God helps me personally and that continues that He continues to create in me a new heart. And I pray that He continues to create in you a new heart. We're not gonna be perfect. Don't expect to, to leave here and have to be absolutely perfect. But you are no you you no longer have to sin. You you have the power of the Holy Spirit in you that will give you the strength to say no. So I pray that God keeps the temple, this temple, our bodies, that he keeps them holy and blameless and that we are ready for his return. One day he will. One day he will return. And me personally, when he does... I would not want to be caught doing something that I'm not supposed to be doing, grieving the Holy Spirit. Chapter um, 1, it was verse 4 again. It says, It said, Just as you have been chosen before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him. Why, because he dwells in us. So don't leave here the same person. If you came in and you are without Christ, accept Christ into your life and don't leave here the same person because you're not promised tomorrow. So remember, you were once alienated from God. Remember that, that these, the promises, they weren't ours from the beginning. But God has reconciled all. His whole, his whole plan, his purpose was uh, to die for our sins and, and to bear the sins of the world for all who believe. That whosoever believes will inherit eternal life. Because of his mercy and because of his grace. And what do we talk about last week? His mercy, his grace, his great love towards us. It is because of that. And, and, and he had to show mercy. He had to show grace. And he had to show love to save us. So live a life worthy. Live a life worthy of the sacrifice that Christ made for us. Live a life worthy to the, the inheritance that we have in Christ. Because you, who were once afar off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Live a life worthy. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. Lord, we thank you for reconciling us to you, Lord. Lord, for making us one in you, Father. Lord, we thank you for the mercy and the grace and the love that you showed towards us, Father. That you willingly gave your life and no one took it from you. You gave it willingly and you bore the cross, Lord for us. So, Lord, I pray that if there's anybody here today, Lord, that has not fully committed, Lord, or is still living in their, their sinful nature, Lord, I pray that you, Lord, speak to their hearts and that you, Father, just remind them, Lord, that it is your Holy Spirit who dwells in us. And may we not grieve your Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you just forgive us, Lord, if we, did, if we have grieved you. Lord, lead us to the cross. May we keep our eyes on you, and may we have the power to overcome. So Lord, we ask that you just go before us in this power, and in your glory, Lord, we ask in your name, Jesus, and we pray. Amen. That's so